Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Cincy Brewcast. It's the voice of Cincy Craft, which means that I'm the gnarly gnome. Uh, you get the idea of this. It's a craft beer podcast. We go around, we drink beers with people, and we talk about uh, what what everything is all about. The Cincinnati beer scene is uh, insane in a really good way, and uh, that leads to lots of really fun conversations that can happen around that. So um, you understand what the show is. You, you probably read something before you clicked on this or you subscribed to it. So I don't know why I bother to explain what it is half the time. But um, welcome back if you are a regular listener. But uh, welcome if, if you're not. This episode of Cincy Brewcast is sponsored by Truth Beer Pod Sequences. Uh, Truth Beer Pod is a podcast about podcasts. It's about Cincinnati beer podcast specifically. Um, if you're a podcast listener and you like beer, which I assume if you're listening to this show, you do, uh, whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on, go and look up Truth Beer Pod Sequences. Uh, Marco and Julia do a good job every uh, every week of breaking down what we talked about, and sometimes they kind of put their own little spin on it to, uh, uh, to keep it interesting. <laughs> Go check them out. And thank you to Truth Beer Pod for sponsoring this episode of Cincy Brewcast. We have not sat down here at 16 lots for, has it been two years? Right at two years. Yeah, it yeah. was like, it was like right around um, uh, Bachfest 2020, right? Yeah. I wow. had been, I had been here probably, uh, Four months at that point. Holy shit! The world had not shut down yet. <laughs> so, no, it was right in the. It was. It was. It was, it was, it was shut down. I mean, that was you know. The that whole, was that was right when things were like kind of starting to, to all go to hell. That was when things started opening back up. Was it? Because March, right? So my my timeline is, I'm at Fifty West. I'm at Beer Fest. You're right. Beer yes. Fest, March sixth yes. and seventh of 2020, and like everyone was making fun of like. Why is everybody fist bumping? Why is some why are some people like doing a, a foot kick instead of shaking hands? Like is this is this thing real? Right. And then literally within 10 days I was unemployed. Yeah, that I Yeah, I mean, everything seems so like it's hard to kind of put um put myself into the time frame of the last couple of years. Like sometimes I I think of something and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I remember that. That was, you know, 10 years ago." I'm like, "No, no, that was <laughs> that was last week." Right. And then other times it's like Man, that was such a long time ago. And then you look at it and like, no, it was just, you know, right. <laughs> two years and, ago. <laughs> and that sounds unfair, by the way. Like I wasn't I wasn't unemployed. I was furloughed. Like yeah, most I mean, of the brewing industry, you know, and 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 most folks. But the uncertainty at that time of what was gonna happen, um, you had to have in the back of your head thought that I I may never come back to doing the same thing that I was doing before, right? Absolutely. I, I mean, it was it was such uncertainty, right? We had no, we had no idea, and uh, yeah. So I mean, you know, when it came to uh, for a brewery, uh, essential personnel was those that brewed beer, right? Right. I mean, you know, package sales were still going well. You know, you still had to, you know, get beer in cans and bottles. So I had to brew beer. The draft had, you know, completely gone off. There was zero, zero right. drafts going out, and just bottles and cans. So if you were sales and marketing like me, if you were basically anyone except Brewing, brewing the actual liquid. Those were your essential uh, workers, right? Or you know, uh, uh, I know some places uh, definitely shifted their their business model into um, packaging, and they hadn't been doing that before. So you had to find people that were that were going to be able to do that uh, delivery. There were a lot of places right. doing uh, uh, home delivery, so you had yeah. um, people 
jumping in in, in delivery vans or their own cars yeah. just to get or beer. E- to e-commerce, or, right? I mean, there's sure. so many of us that had no, you know, um, you know, thoughts of having an an e-store or having you know e-commerce available uh, at the brewery level. Right. Uh, but it ended up being like a, a huge boon and 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 huge business for a lot of folks. You know, and then that was even you know we're talking about switching to packaging and. Well, then, you know, that was before the can shortage. So, like, we didn't, you know, and like, we didn't see that coming either, right? You didn't see, like, cans were uh, going to be, you know, in high demand from uh, folks like Coke and Pepsi and Bud Miller Coors, you know, right. those guys. It's it's amazing how um, the last couple years have had some really big kind of punches to the gut of the beer industry. And yet, um, the beer industry keeps chugging along and um, in a lot of cases, uh, still still growing and still evolving and still kind of maybe in a different way, but um, not that it didn't affect things because it certainly did. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, but didn't affect things in the way that I think we all expected it to. Yeah, you know, I was at uh, I was at the craft brewers conference last week, and I always love there's a the the BA the Brewers Association economist. His name is Bart Watson. Right, amazing guy. Um, I first, you know, started to get to know him through um, at Fifty West, and and Max Fram has the biggest like man crush on Bart Watson you're ever going to see. It's, it's hilarious. Funny. It's hilarious. But the guy is super smart. I mean, he you know he dives into numbers and he makes it the numbers guy. If you yeah. follow him on on Twitter, it's yeah. fascinating because he's always throwing out some kind of fun statistic. That yeah, it's great. And you know, it's and it's he makes it fun. So I mean, even though it's my living, and and I you know I love to dig into the data. For a casual follower of the craft beer industry, he makes those numbers fun, right? right? Well, we were just out there last week, and he always does kind of like part of the part of the state of the union, you know, address and the state of the industry. He does, you know, um, numbers on on how things have rebounded and things like, that, especially since COVID. Um, you know, and it was it was very interesting. So you know, and we do this locally too. Twenty twenty kind of is is off the map, right? We don't right. we don't worry about twenty twenty. Um, so we look at uh, as a baseline. We 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 compare numbers to 2019, and uh, and then so now we have we have full 2021 numbers now in the books, and we can compare those to 2019, and then moving forward, you know, kind of that's always going to be stricken from the record. 2020 is going to be gone. Right. <laughs> well, one of the things that was super interesting was um, he you know put up a slide and said that compared to 2019 numbers. 50% of all brewers in the United States, which we're up to almost 10,000 now, we're like at 90, yeah, 9,400, it's, it's right? really close. 50% are at, compared to 2019 numbers, at 50% or lower of their revenue from 2019. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is insane. It is nuts. Uh, I, I don't think that, and I, I, I think that that, number is probably higher locally <laughs> honestly <laughs> the way that this uh uh the way that things have taken off uh, especially this year the way things have kind of just um uh, really kind of kicked into a whole new gear but yep um uh we'll talk let's let's drink a beer before we kind of dive yeah. into what's going on with 16 lots here but, um this is uh subtle discrepancies is what i have you looks like you have something different subtle um, nuances subtle nuances sorry 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 it's fine, it's fine um it is uh this one's with nelson uh, a whole bunch of nelson yeah um, so the the whole thing is uh derived with uh, southern hemisphere hops right so this is our homage to new zealand and it's uh it's it's basically if you looked at it about 90% Nelson because it's it's a combination of Nelson's Vaughn and Vic's Secret, but then it was double dry hopped, all with Nelson on top of that. So, uh, um, so 
the the series itself, um, you were telling me a little bit before we started recording. Yeah. Um, the whole idea of it is to take um, a beer, which in this case is a um, a big hazy IPA. Well, not big. I mean, it's how how big, how big is this? I mean, so, this one's seven four. Seven so it's not huge. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a good solid uh, hazy IPA. Yep. You you take that and you you just tweak little things, and we're seeing we're seeing a lot of breweries kind of go with that in some place in their in their lineup. A, 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 I guess room to kind of. Uh, to experiment with different things, to try new things and see what it does to the beer and um, just to, to tweak little tiny pieces of it, you know, the um, you know, subtle nuances of the beer. Yeah, you know, in, in the last uh, 12 months, we've brought in a new head brewer, uh, Eric uh, Streckfuss. Uh, he was the um, the head pub he brewer was, at Moorline Lager House. He was on uh, the Lager Roundtable for anybody that uh, yeah. is a regular listener of the show. Yep, there you go. And uh, so when, when Eric came in, uh, we did kind of, take like an annual trip to some beer destination. I've always done this where, you know, as a team, kind of get the creative juices flowing, see what else is happening in a, in a very similar or, a, you know, another good beer city. So the, the first trip we did this year was um, we went to St. Louis. So the ownership team went to St. Louis for R&D. Great beer out there. Just wanted to kind of like, you know, get away from Cincy, um, focus on the next 12 months of business and what we wanted to do. And, um, and Eric, you know, loved this idea of, you know, um, coming up with, uh, you know, small differences, yeah. just small differences in beer so that even the casual craft beer fan knows that's going to be a good hazy beer. It's going to be a good hazy IPA. Sometimes it creeps to the Imperial Double IPA. Sometimes it stays in that nice little 7% area. Um, and that's going to be based on, you know, um, we're, we're kind of using this bootleg biology, which is a... a, a a small boutique yeast lab out of Nashville that Eric actually has ties with um, from home brewing in Washington D.C. Who knew that there were small boutique yeast labs around? Like, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of the people that listen to the show are like, well, of course there are. I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> That's and, awesome. and and it's really funny because I um, I'm in this group called Milk the Funk, right, right, right. and um, you know, I'm one of the original members. You know, like way back in the day. Got involved and it was basically you know it's like a home brewers club for like sour beers and things like that, and um, I met we did a meetup at these guys' lab in Nashville and I've met several I, before they actually started bootleg I'd met several of them and drank beers with them. That's fun. And then Eric mentions them and I'm like I know bootleg I was just there at CBC a couple <laughs> years ago I know the guys and uh, I was like well, this is Kismet right so we absolutely so they have a really cool um, yeast that they call their Nipa. Uh, yeast and um, basically it's, it's designed for New England's and uh, so we're kind of using that yeast uh, throughout this line um, messing with the malts a little bit messing with the flaked oats and, and things like that and then obviously messing with the hops so someone who's a casual beer fan can even you know they know what they're going to get it's going to be a very nice right. hazy but uh, each you know uh, iteration of this we call it evolutions every evolution of this uh, is going to have little subtle differences and you know well and if, if you like one uh, volume or version of it I don't know if you guys call them volumes you should I like like volumes for beers um the um if you like one you're you're probably going to like them all like they're 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 so kind of close to each other and so related that uh, yeah. it's not drifting so far away as as sometimes you get other kind of um uh, series of New England IPAs from from some breweries that like uh you, you like one and then you try the next one and it's so far <laughs> off right. that it's like oh man well, I just I yeah. want that other one back like yeah. I if you're going to if you're going to give me something give me something like that you know? yeah, like, I mean, and it's when I was when I was a, a beer drinker when I was a beer geek you know 
15, you know, 20 years ago, we, we've, you know, first stumbled upon these smash beers, mm-hmm. right? So, um, um, single malt and single hop. And, uh, you're like, wow, that's really interesting. What a concept. So, you know, um, whatever the malt is, it's going to, it's going to come through. You're going to get those characteristics, whatever the hop is, you're going to get those characteristics. Right. And then you could do smash beers, you know, from, uh, all the different malt houses and all the different hops and get a, get an idea, get an you idea. know? And, uh, and so that's kind of born from that, but it kind of, it's evolved into, you know what? There's a, I've, a smash beers are great in concept, but like when you're using a single malt, and <laughs> I mean they really get one dimensional, obviously. Right. And it, uh, so it cannot be. It, there's a lot of them that it won't be good. These are going to be delicious beers, but um, the subtle nuances in them, you know, are just enough that you're going to understand that there is a difference. Right. It's it's fun. It's delicious. Um, I you know I. So the first beer of the day always tastes really really good, and this one does. <laughs> Doesn't it? It's, when it hits your lips. When it first hits your lips. Well, especially on a day like today, it's 80 degrees outside. This beer, uh, this beer hits just absolutely perfect. It's uh, big, full-bodied. Um, you get, you do get that kind of big, grapey, fruity, uh, you know, Nelson character to it. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's delicious. It it's is. fun. It's you know, there's a there's a wine term called terroir, right, right, and it's um, it's 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 the it's the the, the the sum is greater than the ingredients, right? It's it's the the environment. It's, it means environment in French, by the way. Je te dis français quatre onze, mon ami. Yeah, that's, that's what um, I was thinking. But um, so thinking that only in my head because yeah, no way I'm saying it. So uh, <laughs> the you know the the term terroir is a really cool term, and it's like it's it's all encompassing for the environment and all of everything that goes in to that wine. So you know, in beer, you know, especially when it comes to like you know lambics and things like that, we people started using terroir a long time ago. But I think this is a really really good example of terroir in a, a hazy in a New England style because there's something there, and it's you know it's uh, it's um, uh, is it? You know, I, my understanding of terroir, which which is extremely kind of limited on a uh, a more beer drinker's mindset, I think. Um, uh, when you heard people talking about, you know, lambic is is a great example where it's it's the wild yeast, and you have to make this beer in this place to get that right. yeast and. Like, that, that's the cobwebs. Kind of, that's kind of bullshit. The cobwebs though, right? in here like go into the terroir. It's it's more of like a, I mean, yes, you have to have a certain type of yeast to create that that flavor, but you you could get that yeast and do it anywhere. Right. Um, it's a je ne sais quoi. It's in French. Well, you know, and I I found out too because I'm a I'm a big foodie. We've talked about that. You know, like I loved you know you know I I, I would say maybe I you know I'd be a chef or something if I if I weren't in in beer, but um you know there's a term that you hear a lot in the food world of umami, mm-hmm. right? And umami is um, is an earthy character, like, you know, mushrooms. mushrooms People add sauce. MSG to yeah. things for the umami, right? And it's like, you really know what that is? And you know what earthiness is, and you know, but it's like, it's not one of the, one of the characteristics of you know, what you normally taste on your, on your, you know, people are sweet and salty and sour. You know, it's umami. And it's like, that's, that's what this is in beer. You know, it like, needs a different, it needs its own word. It really does. Like it needs some kind, cause uh, you know, I've, I've always been a big proponent of the fact that, you know, where you're drinking a beer and who you're drinking the beer with and the situation around you is the majority of the experience of that Absolutely. beer. Absolutely. You know, I, you know, not that I enjoy Budweiser, but if you put me in that brewery and you give me a Budweiser off of the line and you stand there and you look at the history of this I'm going to freaking love that drink yeah. and it's going to taste better than any Budweiser that I will ever drink anywhere else. And it's, 
it's like that down to like really subtle things to like if I'm crack open a beer uh, upstairs where my kids are running around in, in their chaos like they do, that beer is, is not going to be as enjoyable as if I walk out on the back patio, shut the door behind me, sit down right. for a second and open that same beer. It's going to taste better. Yeah. Dude, I, it's, it's really funny that, you know, like the folks that really know me, like my closest people, they know my distress call when I'm at a party or something, I really want to leave. I don't want to just dip out or I'm like, Hey, we need it. Like I'll say, can you give me a Bud Light? <laughs> and if I say that, you know, like I got it. We have to go. It's that's my, that's my distress call. That's my <laughs> SOS. Right. But one of the best beers I've ever had in my life was, you know, thinking that it was like, I was just playing in a softball tournament. You know, I played college baseball. And like, after that, like you start playing softball and things. Mm -hmm. like, it was like, you know, uh, uh, 112 degrees, it was like this heat spell we were having, and it was like crazy. And there was this, you know, a big cooler of ice cold Bud Lights on the at the softball field. <laughs> and like I had that Bud Light still to this day. It stands out in my mind. It's one of the one of the best beers I've ever had. There's there is um I, I understand exactly where your mind goes with that. There's still like it. It reminds me of the first time I I tasted a beer, and the only way that I can get my mind to snap back into that experience is when it's extremely hot outside. And like I'm, I have to get like really like overheated and sweaty and crack open a really really cold, um, bland light macro lager. And there's that split second at the very beginning of it that I get this thing that happens in my brain and it clicks over right. and I can remember that first taste of beer. It's, and it's just yeah. it's just there. And that's the only yeah. way I've ever been able to recreate yeah, that's it. Really cool. But I can always recreate it just by you know mimicking this one situation for some for some reason. So Isn't that crazy. Uh, I love yeah. I love that like, you know, there's you know, the beer has that effect. But it needs it needs a word. <laughs> it needs some kind of thing that like that that expresses that. I mean, right. wine has kind of uh, owned uh, terroir and and, and um, what it means to, um, to 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 wine production, um, and it, it it is very much about a place and what it does to the grapes and all this kind of hoity-toity stuff. Yep. There's something about the experience that is very very different than that concept. Uh, I bet you there has there has to be a word for that, right? It's probably a German word. Oh, I can you know almost what? guarantee the Germans have a word for it. Exactly, there has to be. You know, like. Um, I always say, people always say, you know, like you're out, you know, drinking somewhere and someone will say like, ooh, like I can't have Goldschlager because I had a, uh, I had a really violent yeah, episode of it when I was in college. That's the negative side of right? this word we're talking that's about. That's actually called a conditioned taste aversion. Okay. So in psychology, that you've had a, such a, an adverse reaction and, and experience with that taste that now you cannot think about even tasting it without getting kind of upset. Right. That's a conditioned taste aversion. It's been conditioned. Um, there's got to be something that's... Um, a conditioned taste, like, uh, you know, benefit right, or something like right. that, you know? That's, that doesn't sound as, as romantic. I know it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, be, I, and I just German made that word. up. I just made well, that up. Well, it's like, I mean. you know, you know, German, the, the, the idea of Gemutlichkeit, you know, where yeah. you, you know, this, this, it, you know, we always try to describe it as a feeling of warmth and like, you know, it, but that's not, it's, it's a feeling. So you, there yeah. aren't words to describe in English what Gemutlichkeit is because, it's a feeling. It's yeah. this, it's this thing yep. that you know. This this you know, we're getting way down a rabbit hole. Um, I love it. I love it. You guys are expanding. You're opening another brewery. <laughs> yes, we are, dude. I'm so pumped. We right? should probably talk about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I first came into Sixteen Lots, you know, uh, the the very first like Cincinnati Inquirer article, you know, had, you know, our picture in it and said like, you know, these are some goals that Dell you know wants to to bring to the brewery, and one of them was a a second location in a more urban setting. Right. Right. I mean, I wanted, you know, like 
God bless Mason. Love it up here. Great people, great customer base. Um, the community has been super supportive. Our business is thriving up here. We are, we are talking about numbers. Our, our numbers are really good in Mason, Ohio. Um, I'm a city boy. I grew up in the inner city. I've always lived in, like, I live in the inner city now. Um, and I just kind of, like, wanted that for my brand and my brewery is to have a place in the inner city. And um, so we, you know, we started looking right away. And it's been two years now, and we hadn't found anything. And, you know, we're not going to just do it to do it. We're going to wait for the right opportunity. Right. We've come close a couple times, and it just never panned out. And then this opportunity came up at Newport on the levee. And, you know, immediately it's in my wheelhouse because, hey, it's in Newport right across the river. I love the fact that, um, you know, 25% of Cincinnati, what we call Cincinnati, is actually northern Kentucky. Right. You know, the population. It's the biggest Cincinnati neighborhood is northern Kentucky. Exactly. Right. So I, I love that aspect of it. My father was originally from Kentucky. That's so super cool. And, um, you know, and then. Mike uh, Burton, my you know business partner here at Sixteen Lots, he used to live in Newport, and oh, yeah. that was his forgot about that. That was his haunt. Like he literally Jefferson Hall is this space. He probably talked about that on the show at one point <laughs> all the time, right? So like he literally like that was his haunt. He was young out of Jefferson Hall. You know, the Cafeo brothers, um, you know, eventually moved it over to become Jefferson Social right. on the banks. But you know, like same same. Like I remember like when I went to Newport, even though I didn't live here at the time when i went to newport you'd go for bachelor parties go for things like that just to have a drink you, know, you always went to jefferson hall they had live music right. it was super lively you know and they had this big ass like column in the middle with like a, a a weird barrel around it with like a countertop and a foot rail yeah, yeah, so like yeah. even if you couldn't get a spot on the bar because the bar was always packed you could like sit at that like you know stand there put your foot you on the foot, foot rail on, yeah. right <laughs> Like, I want to keep that. That's there now, and that's the space we're taking, and I want to keep that. You know, it's like a little homage to oh, yeah. the, the times that, that Mike and I used to be down there. That's excellent. So um, I assume that um, Newport uh, is, is, is being also uh, a little more welcoming than some of the other, um, chan the other opportunities that may have popped up. I know that uh, the levee, is um, definitely has this image in their head of of where they want things to uh, to, to progress, and we've we've talked about this with Wooden Cask a lot about kind of what this what this idea yeah. for the levy is and um, their role in that, and yeah, um, uh, that and they have talked about it very loosely over the years about how you know there there's going to be more breweries there, like you know the levy wants more breweries, you yep. know the levy wants levy wants a distillery there, the levy wants this. And yeah, like and actually, you know, I, I actually spoke with with Randy and Karen. You know, I consider them good friends of mine. I've I've supported their business. They've always supported our businesses. Right. Um, you know, and and moving into that space, that's a big square. Like ours is a big square foot. It's just a big risk. It's seventy seven hundred square feet indoor. We're gonna have a full kitchen, and and then we're gonna have a three thousand square foot patio. So it's a it's a big investment. I, I talked to them, and got into it, and part of what I wanted to know was, what's the the environment like at the levy nowadays? It's changed ownership, right? So that's right. where you see this influx happening with the levy, and so it's changed ownership. Part of the ownership group is here local, so part of the the, the ownership group are Cincinnati local guys, and um, they want to see the levy get back to where it used to be. Right. They want to see the levy get back to prominence. And the, you can tell if you just walk around the levee nowadays, they've pumped a lot of money into the levee and gotten some really cool, um, you know, tenants in there. And, you know, so this all kind of just came together like a perfect storm. It's also developing a really nice a personality, whereas, you know, at, at one time, the levee kind of lost all of that personality. It was just kind of 
very bland. And, yeah. and it's you're starting to see that change now where it's kind of coming back to some kind of yep. some kind of personality for for hey, a place. You know what? When you know a big part of that personality, you know, if you're talking to, you know, people who are uh, you know, beer fans and and local craft beer fans and people who are you know, local foodies, it's that it's not chain driven. Right? right. So one of the big things that the levy wants is they want to have local businesses open up at the levy and not just kowtow to chains and bring in like, oh, because they're Shout big money. The banks. You know, they're big, <laughs> big money and they're going to bring them in. And it's like, hey, here's the here are these chains. They want that local flavor. And, right. and that's part of the ownership group that's especially local to Sensi. That's what they want to do. And it was like the perfect storm. And it was like, how can we not do this with with it's kismet, right? It's it's, right. it's everything that like Mike and I were looking for. It's in the it's in the urban, it's in the inner city, it's right across the river, it's on the corner of the purple people bridge. It's between the two bridges where the WEB and fireworks are, right. right, for Labor Day. And then, you know, I casually mentioned when we were walking through, you know, everyone kind of knows that I'm a big, you know, like cigar smoker and, right. and things like that. And I said, you know, I really envision this as like a, uh, as an adventurer's club, you know, the, the brand that I've, I've been trying to build for 16 lots, this is going to be, you know, a, a fresh cut and I'll be able to, to build uh, the, the bar and restaurant and brewery from the ground up with all that brand in mind. And part of that is, you know, hey, like you think about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, National Treasure, um, you think of like Disney's um, uh, Explorers Club, things like that. You know, it's like, hey, you're sitting around and like talking about adventures and your world travels and you're smoking a cigar. You're, you're sitting on something made of leather. Yeah, it's leather. <laughs> smoking it's a cigar. Leather, it's right, things like that. So I casually you know, said that. I was like, I'd really like to have like some sort of a smoking venue. Immediately, when, when we started negotiating the lease, they said, we, we love that concept. What? Um, are you going to get like a tobacco license? Um, are you going to have a humidor? And I was like, well, no, that's not, that's not what we were thinking. I was thinking about like taking uh, a portion of the outside patio and we don't want to smoke inside. Right. We want to take a, a portion of it and ventilating it correctly and positioning and orienting it correctly to have like a nice smoking lounge on the exterior. Immediately they approved it. They're like, yep, we love that concept. That's super cool. I talked to the party source and, um, you know, the, the owners there, you know, they're employee owned, but the, the guys that run the humidor, um, you know, they have these cigar nights and things like that. They're on board with us. And uh, it, it, it all just came together. So it's like, you know, talking to other business owners at um, at the levee, they were like, how did you guys do that? <laughs> like, we, there, so there's no smoking allowed on the levee. Like, right. You can't even walk through the property and smoke. So talking to other business owners, they're saying, yeah, you know, it's, it's Kentucky. People like to smoke. People are allowed to smoke, actually. And when they are at the bar and they want to smoke, they actually have to leave the property. Right. Or right? or sneak somewhere and, and risk getting in trouble. Yeah. So they leave the entire, they leave their bar stool. They leave the time that they're in enjoying a beverage at one of the spots and they leave the property. Right. Now they actually have an, uh, a thousand square foot of our patio is approved to be a smoking lounge. That's fantastic. As, as a fellow cigar smoker, like I, there's there's nothing that I enjoy more in the summer than sitting on a patio with a, with a nice drink and having a cigar. Yeah. And um, even the places where where I where I can smoke, like it's turned into this thing. And and for a lot of people, rightfully so. I'm not gonna you know get into that the, that whole side of things. But you know like and, you know for here and I assume your patio here is is uh, cigar friendly. Yes, it is. Uh, but if I walk in here on a random um, Friday night and the patio has a bunch of people sitting there. 
I'm probably not going to light up a yeah, cigar because you you feel awkward. You don't you know do. how everybody else is comfortable with it. Yep. You don't know if they're ready for that. You know, you don't yep. want to walk around. Do you guys care? Do you care? You yep. know, so when you walk into a space that is designed for that, yep. um, it it changes things for a, a cigar smoker. I, I love it. I, I can't wait. I I will I will go there 100. Yep. Um, and you know, it's it's different when you take a place and retrofit it to making it a cigar-friendly place. Yes. As opposed to building it. Yeah. So right now, we just, we just have, you know, uh, outside patio space and columns. That's going to be transformed uh, with ventilation, fans, and, um, you know, outdoor uh, curtains for the winter and patio heaters and things like that. So it's going to be used, you know, uh, 12 months a year. That's excellent. I I need I need a big leather something that I can sit in with a cigar, and I need some kind of like a like a skull that I can right. drink a beer out of. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so let's let's talk about the 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 brand and the feeling of this new space versus yeah. the space. Um, Sixteen Lots is a very Mason uh, brand. You know, it, it is you know the the original Sixteen Lots that were you know plotted out for Mason. Yeah. We've 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 heard all those stories. Uh, how do you how do you take that and how do you start to build on that and shift it and kind of turn it into this other idea and then put, drop it into a place like Newport and say, here's who we are. Right. So, you know, the last time you were in here, we kind of talked to it. We had just launched. I had just rebranded everything. Right. So you you came in, you saw the, the cans for the first time. You know, you saw kind of like what I had done with the, the space here in Mason. Yeah. And before it was just basically four plain walls, not a lot going on, um, very well appointed you know, the furniture's great, uh, the space is great, just wasn't a lot of flavor to it. And, you know, I kept trying to tell people, like, my vision, and um, and I kept telling them that was, like, the closest thing I can think of is steampunk. Right. But, you know, it's not really. It's, like, my take on steampunk, and it's, like, a mashup of, like, steampunk, that kind of, like, um, you know, the wood, the iron, the stone, the leather, and a mixture of pop culture, right? Well, and I think when, when we were talking about it on that last episode, and if I remember to, which I, I probably won't, you could look for yourself and go find the episode, but I'll try to find put a link to it in the show notes. But um, we talked about um, kind of that, that that theme, and I said, oh, you guys need like a, like a big submarine that's you know just stuck out in the parking lot, yep. which I still think would be awesome. But it's almost like shifting to me now to be like some kind of big like cargo plane <laughs> yeah it's, uh... well you know so in in this space in mason where we're sitting right now you know when you when you look around you see the decorations now you know there's a a big proponent that you know we've we've built our relationship with the bingles right and our tailgating and everything else so like we have there's a little bit of a of That's area, football team in town, little right? area yeah a little area down there you know that um that is dedicated to you know Ken Anderson and, and the bingles like that flag up there flew over the 2016 draft it's a one of a kind um, and you know, we raised a lot of money for the Ken yeah, Anderson we, Alliance. We'll, we'll definitely talk about right, that. We'll hit that as well. And we, you know, like the Ken Anderson's, you know, the, the Kenny's day drink and lager accounted for 20 to 25% of our entire volume last year. I think it was the only easily accessible, uh, Bengals beer. Absolutely. It was 100%. <laughs> and it will be again, and it will be again here in, you know, uh, in August of 2022. But, you know, so when I when I started decorating and I started like, you know, you know, putting all these like posters and signs and things like that, it's it's things that it's there some reference to pop culture and it's probably a reference to pop culture that is ingrained into one of the owners. So it's something that means something to us, whether it's a favorite movie, a favorite TV show, a favorite band, things like that. And then once that got done and the, the, the kind of the 2D part was complete with the you know curtains and the, the lighting, you know, like I want you to walk in, you want to feel like it's like a movie set. Mm hmm. 
So the 2D stuff, and I started working on the 3D stuff. Like you'll see up there, you know, like our dented silo has an Easter egg of like Fisher Price. Right. So that's like a 1960s Fisher Price setup over there. Um, obviously, I'm I'm military, and uh, I actually went in the military partly because of G.I. Joe. I was such a fan of G.I. <laughs> Joe when I was a kid that, you know, so like originally there's G.I. Joe stuff up there. That's probably like, not the best reason to go to the, to the no, military. No, not, not, not at all, you know, but it's like, you know, it's like when they asked me, it was like, well, why'd you join this patriotism really? But, you know, it's like, right. but why was I so, you know, patriotic and, you know, the family history of, you know, like, uh, of, you know, family members in the military, but, you know, and then like, no one ever gets this one. Like they never get that, that umbrella up there with the number four on it. Yeah, I don't know. So our, uh, our winter seasonal is called Mason Claus, right? But it's actually spelled with a K. So it's like Klaus. Right. Um, so the Umbrella Academy is a big uh, show that we all, we all like. And Umbrella Academy has a number for each of the, gotcha. the the kids in the academy, and number four is Klaus. So if you look on the can, there's an umbrella <laughs> with a number four on it, and it's gotcha. actually Mason Klaus, not Mason Claus, things like that. So, um, you know, and that kind of theme where I'm hiding these Easter eggs, and I've done it from the beginning, right? We've, we've covered some of them. Right. I've cut all these, you know, like secret societies and, and uh, things like that. That's the intrigue that, that I want to bring to Newport. So I want to bring this, like I said, I mean, like I'm inspired by National Treasure, where it's like, you know, it's it's um, it's clues and it's uh, symbolism and well, things I, like that. I, I even go kind of a different route in my head of the, how it feels to me. Like when, you know, it's still on that idea of, you know, National Treasure or Indiana Jones or yep. something. You, you know, if you picture what... Um, any one of these guys, what their study looks like, you know, it's this, you know, again, this leather furniture. You yep. walk in, there's just stuff everywhere. Smells like, of rich mahogany. Yeah, right. And the more that you look around, like there's just these little things, and everything has some kind of a story to it. It's like yes. some 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 adventure, or some kind yep. of some kind of uh, origin of where this thing came from. And that's kind of what this is starting to feel like to me is yes. that there's there's just these stories with all of these these little things and yeah uh, there's nothing here like I do not I man I tell you what like when I was at, I don't seventh or eighth grade whenever you read Catch Twenty Two in in school right like it, it resonated with me that J D Salinger used the term phony a lot I don't want to be a phony I don't want to be a phony and you know so I didn't want the space or the space of Newport to be contrived I didn't want to like you know, there's catalogs of accoutrements of, 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 you know, of flair. We all remember, of, you know, TGI Fridays yes. back in the day where you walk in, there's just stuff yeah. stapled to the oh, wall. Oh, there's and, like, you know, there's propellers and there's this and that, yeah. right? It's, and it's all, it, it all looks cool, but it's, they're all props. Right. They're, they're, it's all contrived. It's, you know, like they got that one because it was red or whatever the case may be. Right. Like, you know, so everything you see in their entire space, I don't, I don't put things in just to put them in. There's some sort of meaning behind it. And there's, there's, there's a story behind it. And you know, when you go places to drink at a brewery, I can't stand looking at like walls and the walls don't tell me part of their history or part of their story. And it's, it makes it uninteresting. Right. And I don't want to just hang out there and drink. I don't care how good the beer is. I don't want to sit there and just drink. Right. So part of that is entertaining. I want I want people to be entertained, but I also want them to tell the story and the brand. So I'm, it's it's my kind of like putting it all together and like how how you how can you do that is what we're going to do at Newport. Well, so how do you take though? Like, so I mean, this has been an evolution just even in the last couple of years where you guys have kind of been building this uh, this this identity and and adding things to the wall and stuff like that. How do you walk into a new space in in, in Newport? And just kind of flip a switch and be like, we're open. 
and have it have a personality, yeah. but let it kind of be be real. I mean, it's, it's yeah. Well, I, I can tell you how you you don't do that. You don't like open up a catalog and start flipping through a catalog and choosing things to put on your walls, right? Right. Um, you know, I am a huge proponent of uh, upcycling, recycling, thrift stores, vintage stores, antique malls, like things like that. So, like you know, um, it's it's a lot of that that's going to go into it. And a lot of that is going to, is what gives it authenticity. Right. You know, you know, it's like, it's like that, you know, uh, Mike and I really like, like you too, right? And like, you know, like one of our, we'd love to go see you two, like in Dublin. That's actually a 1982 poster from you two. That's not like a recreation. Right. Like, that's a real poster from 1982. Like things like that. It's, I, I can't wait to see what you guys do with the, the new space. It's going to be great. <laughs> uh, let's talk about what the space, all you, you talked about the cigar patio. Yep. Um, you guys are going to be brewing on site. Yep. We're putting in a, a 10 barrel system, mirrors the system we have here, which is a um, all US made Portland Kettle Works that's, system. That's, that's a big like system. The, yeah. Cadillac of systems. Um, uh, I think we're going to have about like right now, it's going, we're going to plumb it in differently, but like four, like, like four 20 barrel fermenters. Um, one thing we're going to do different down there is kind of like you ever go when you go to like um, like uh, Rock Bottoms or BJ's Brewhouse, mm-hmm. uh, those kind of places where they're doing a lot of volume over across the bar is they'll have serving vessels right. instead of you know tapping kegs for everything. So I'm going to put some really cool like ornate uh, serving vessels that we're going we can serve out of, and those are probably like seven to ten barrels a piece, and we can you know make them like I said pretty ornate and make them. A, as part of the showcase down there because you know we don't we don't want people to walk in and it's like a, a tourist attraction right as opposed you know like when you when you go somewhere like uh gatlinburg or something and it's like i said it's contrived and it's yeah. it's the ripley's believe it or not museum you know um we want it to be you know an homage to brewing we want an homage to adventure you know um i came up with this this uh this slogan a few years ago like escape the mundane and it's like hey you know what if you're a weary beer traveler and you are always looking for that next place to have a pint. You know, like this is going to be like a, a a welcome spot for you to 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 take respite in, right? So and and to sit know, down at the bar and yep, and tell people about where you've been. <laughs> yeah. So you know, so you know, but I also I really like themes. So I love you know, like I said, like all those like you know uh, movies that are talking about like Freemasonry and secret societies and and things like that. But we're also right on the river, right? So right. we're on the river now. So um, you know. Anything that we do, a lot of times IPA-wise, our IPAs are always um, have a nautical theme, right? right? So Soak City, you see a lot of that, like um, inspired by 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Um, Subtle Nuances uh, has like, you know, the jellyfish and things like that. So since we're on the the riverfront down there, we're going to skew, which is called the 16 Lots Southern Outpost, more nautical. It's, uh, you guys aren't messing around with putting in a, a, a big brew house like that there like that's that's a lot of beer and i hope to, to not distribute any of it in northern kentucky is that's i mean i, mean, I hope like that's if, my if, next question is if like, you is brew it, on a tin barrel um you know probably um you know with the amount of fermenters that we're putting in you know we're hoping to get about two thousand barrels a year and i hope to sell every one of those across sure, the bar sure um with that being said is there is there a plan for some amount of distribution into uh, into Kentucky from from that tap room, kind of to give it some kind of easier kind of uh, um, uh, logistical uh, like a, system, like, like almost like a barrier of entry, right? Like we, so we have um, 
we have a relationship with Stagnaro Distributing in, right. in Northern Kentucky for our Kenny's Day Drinking brand. So nothing will change with that. They're gonna they're gonna maintain our Kenny's Day Drinking brand at all the bars and restaurants around there. Ultimately, like I said, I'd like to sell every bit of liquid across the bar. Although, you know, Newport really wanted to have a liquid isn't source. That, isn't that true? With all of the beer, that like you always yeah, want to sell absolutely. it over the bar. I mean, there's there's some amount of of advertising that you want to get yeah. from having beer on shelves, but uh, ideally, you want every ounce of beer. Those are the biggest the profit margins, right? It's across the bar. Um, you don't have to worry about packaging. You don't have to worry about distribution agreements. You don't have to worry about any of those things. Right. Um, so, but the the levy was really big on having a liquid manufacturer there that right. could possibly service everyone at the levy. Right. You know what? If I have that much liquid, I'd be more than happy to to sell kegs around to, you know, all the the spots on the levee. And you know, well, and the levee is a Dora district too. I guess yep. they call it Dora in they Kentucky, do. right? Yep. So I mean, you can you can get your beer and still walk around the levee and can't yeah, go so, into other license holders or whatever. But you can you can walk around the levee with a beer. <laughs> yeah. So like one that's one of the you know one of the things we're working on with our architect is is uh, a solution to, you know, I I, I hate going in a place and getting. Uh, beer in a plastic cup. Oh, I but if you are in a Dora district, it's always in a plastic cup. If I'm so kind of working on like an indoor outdoor kind of a solution that you know we have so much patio space that um, if you walk up on the outside and you order from the outside bar, you're going to get service door cup. Right. If you get service from the inside, you're going to get your nice glassware. I don't like that. What if I'm sitting on a cigar patio and I need cigar to get... patios on the other on the other okay. side of the patio? So it's completely separate from like. We the cigar the it's it's an L, and it's two thousand square feet on the long side of the L, mm. which would be open like you know everyone you know for patio heaters and non smoking, and then the L that wraps around gotcha will be sequestered kind of with the the ventilation and things like gotcha. that. So one hundred percent that'll be serviced by the inside bar. Gotcha. But there's nothing that I I despise more than when I um, don't get asked if I want it in glass or plastic, yeah. and they just hand me a Dora cup. Yep, or or a plastic cup. Assuming that I'm gonna go, you know, just, just give me glass. Like glass should be the default. You should ask and right. ask me if I want to go walk around with my beer. If I'm gonna sit there and drink it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So that's gonna be you know that's gonna that's gonna be the thing. It's like you know it's like you know I love that. Um, you know it's kind of reminiscent like uh, you know when you're it's not truly like indoor outdoor right like it used like it was but like a mat tree at 2.0 they have the the very you know, kind of like square shaped bar yeah with like the the divider. And like if you're on the inside of Matry, you like it's cool. It's 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 on the interior, but then that same bar goes around to the outside. Right. Like you know, like it's all kind of enclosed now and, and against the weather, but get the nice breeze and things like that. I if you can't guess, I hang out at Matry a lot. I live right around the corner from Matry, so I go there a lot. Um, and I, I kind of like that feel. Right. If it's even though it's not necessarily indoor outdoor like it used to be, it's very indoor outdoor. Right. And I kind of want that same thing. Yeah, I again, especially this time of year, like you, you want you don't always want to sit out in the sun, yep. but you want to be kind of outside, fresh air, yeah. feel the temperature, feel a breeze. Um, going into this this new expansion, um, what are some of the concerns? Because we we're coming out of COVID, um, the world is still strange. Nobody knows what craft beer even really looks like anymore everybody's yeah. everybody's confused about what it is and, and very, what, the lines are very blurred uh what are some of the concerns um with what is a very big expansion yeah so my my biggest concerns are it's very expensive that's a high profile 
um, location, right? Um, if you think about where we are in Mason, you kind of have to know where we are, right? You're not going to walk by. You can drive by, uh, but you have to know that we're kind of back in our shopping center and kind of right. have to know you're, we're here. Um, so even though it's, it's very expensive to be in Newport, it's like 4.5 million people walk by that location right. every year. Right. So I'm hoping that's, you know, like Mike, Mike always says, my partner, he's like, that's 4.5 more million people that walk by our, <laughs> our location in Mason. That's a good way to think right? of it. So that's really cool. So I'm, I'm, obviously it's a, it's a, it's a lot of rent. Uh, it's a long lease, so it's a, it's a very long lease as well. So, like, we're committing to them for a long time, um, and that's what they want from a partner. Um, so, you know, we're gonna the space is not going to be one of those spaces that, um, you know, hey, this business didn't make it, and just now just truck in someone else, and this, it could be, like, right. kind of a revolving door. This is going to be our space from top to, to bottom. It's going to be 16 lots, Southern Outpost. So because of that and, and the amount of lease and, and the actual cost of everything, that's a, that's a big investment, and it's, a, it's very worrisome. It's high risk, high reward. And then I would say my number two is that we're going to be running the kitchen there. So um, here in Mason, we have a partner, a very well-respected restaurateur that has you know, guided us the whole way, and it's his business. And um, you know, Mike and I are, we, like I said, we, we consider ourselves foodies. Well, we travel for food. We like to uh, kind of do food tourism. And um, so our space is going to be our kitchen. What is the uh, the kind of the overall theme of what the kitchen will be like? Uh, High-end gastropub style food, right? So, um, you know, things like Brussels sprouts and shishito peppers or, you know, um, obviously smoked wings are big in the pub world. Right. Um, you know, handheld sandwiches. Um, you know, but like a really kind of a sophisticated flair on those things and, um, you know, not like a reliant on like pizza right. or, you know, things like that. So, but, but now, you know, like it's, um, it's going to be a very limited menu. So it's, you know, maybe like, and when I say limited, I mean like 20 items, right? right? It's not going to be like, you're not going to sit down like cheesecake factory. And like flip through That's like the weirdest 10 pages. It's like, this is, there's some heft to this, right? It's going to be like, you know, it's going to be like, you know, it's, it's going to be something for everyone. I mean, we're going to have, you know, vegan vegetarian fare. We're going to have, you know, smoked meats. We're going to have, you know, um, you know, uh, truffle mac and cheese. We're going to have shishito peppers. There's going to be something for everyone. Right. Going back to the, uh, the first thing there, the, the, the funding. Have you guys talked at all about where that is all coming from? Are you guys uh, self-funding this? Are you uh, are you talking to, to to banks and 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 bringing in a whole new chunk of debt to the business? I don't know how in depth you want to get into that, but yeah, I mean, I I, I will I will talk about it briefly. I won't like get into right. the, kind of the details of it, but uh, yeah, we're so basically ninety um, percent of it is is in house. So we um, between the, there's three partners, right? There's right. Mike Burton, myself, and Eric. Um, so 90% of it is, is in-house and, um, and then we decided that, you know, there are, it's a, it's a, you know, um, it's a completely separate business. You know, you have to run every, every time you do a new location, you right. kind of run it as a separate business. You run things that's going to be, it's in the state of Kentucky. There's lots of, you know, so we decided, you know, Hey, like let's for the last 10%, you know, let's, let's uh, give someone an opportunity that wants to you know, gotcha. come in to invest some money with us, you know, fun people that we enjoy hanging out with, you know, some of our regulars that just, you know, really brand loyalists. And, uh, and that's the, the last 10% came from that. But it's all, so you're not, you're not going to 
throw together some kind of wonder fund uh, crowdfunding. Uh. <laughs> no, in fact, um, everything. Not that there's anything against that. Everything guys. that is uh, that needs to be done is done. Excellent. So Excellent. there's no there's no ifs ands or buts about it. It's uh, it's completely funded. Excellent. And, yeah. Um, that's exciting. It's, it really is, and it's really, also like you know. Like, I hope that people understand how exciting it is. Like we haven't seen, um, ex- for the for the most part, we haven't seen expansion like this since you know pre pre COVID. You guys are the first ones kind of um, stepping out there and saying, "All right, we're ready." Like yeah. you know, we 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 feel like we feel like we're we're good with this, and yeah. I think everybody's kind of watching. Like, all right, let's see what happens. Well, it's kind of you know, it's kind of fun too. Is that um, you know, it's it's uh, it's pretty unique. Do you know? I mean, I, I'm sure you know off, off the top of your head, but there's only one other brewery with locations on both sides of right. the, the river. Oh, I mean, I'm sure, um, definitely locally. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm assuming that there are other places uh, fairly close by that kind of have the same idea where they're they're jumping over yeah. states like that. But um, no, locally, that, that yeah. this is the the second time that somebody's somebody's attempted it. And, yep. Um. Uh. You're definitely doing it differently than what they did too. Yeah. I mean, so that's it is the first time that something has been done this way. Yeah, and you know when it comes to I gotta I gotta say this too. Uh, when it comes to like concepts and like what we're doing as a concept, um, I know I'm on the right page. When um, yeah, so a good buddy of mine is Jacob Trevino mm-hmm. that owns uh, you know Gorilla Cinema, right? Right. So he owns Overlook and Tiki Tiki Bang Bang and Hello Kitty and what's uh, the new comic book shop? Uh, Cosmic Gorilla. Yeah. So um, then it's like the bar in the back is called like Cape and Cloak. And uh, so, you know, I'm doing a big fundraiser with him in June. We're doing like a pub crawl. We're doing like a superhero pub crawl. That's cool. Like a cosplay <laughs> kind of thing through right. OTR. And um, so him and I were getting together for this and uh, as a fundraiser. Now he's tied in with Disney. I mean, he's the dude's in Sweden right now doing the conference. Right. He's tied in with Disney hardcore. He knows Imaginariums and, uh, and, uh, they, he gets invited to Disney to share ideas. He's had Disney folks here. So it's really, really cool. Um, so I knew I'm on the right track when meeting with the with Jacob for the fundraiser, I walk in to La Ofrenda, right? Finley Market, um, his tequila bar. And uh, he's sitting at the he's sitting at the bar and he looks kind of bummed. And I was like, dude, how you doing? Like, what's going on? He goes, ah, oh, nothing, you know. And I said, well, you don't look like you're in such a good mood. Like, he goes, you know, just... There's a concept I've been working on, and I've been working on it for like two years now. And I just heard that someone is announcing their concept, which is almost the same thing. Uh, and they're announcing it like this Sunday. And I was like, <laughs> I'm announcing our new concept on Sunday. And he was like, at the levy. And I said, absolutely. And he was like, damn it, Dell. That's you? He goes, now I can't be mad about it. He goes, I've been cursing whoever this is. I've been cursing him all day. We just heard about this and it's going to be a thing. And uh, so him and I just like, you know, like he was like, but if it's, if, I'm glad it's you. I'm glad, I'm glad you're, you're going to do it right. And I'm, 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 I'm happy for you. And then he goes, it's a brewery. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. He goes, I, I'm trying to figure out what these, these teasers that Newport and Levy put out or trying to figure out what this was. And he goes, it's a Levy. It's a brewery. So you're going to have like a concept, like but it's a brewery. He goes, okay, cool. He goes, well, I'm working on a new concept. that's similar to that, but mine's going to be like, uh, like tiki drinks and it's going right. to be on the other side of the river. So we're good to go. Maybe we can collab. And I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> but well, I knew I was on the right track when he is thinking the same thing. It is, it is kind of that, uh, you, you know, you mentioned tiki, like it is that kind, kind of that same vibe as like a, like a, like a, like a tiki bar. It's like, it's got this kind of, um, uh, the, the almost, almost chaotic, um, just 
stories everywhere. Like, I, I love it. I'm so excited about it. I can't wait to see it come to life. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's definitely like I um I really got into tiki during during lockdown and like really started exploring, you know, rum more and right. my my inner circle of friends, you know, we just started, you know, buying all the tiki books and like making, you know, our riffs on all the on the on the recipes and things like that. Well, so. I there's there's no other cocktails that are that are like that where you'll have um, somebody make a cocktail that has, you know, four different kinds of bourbon in it because it doesn't right. make any sense. Exactly. Whereas rums, it does. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I want a I funky it. rum. I want this. <laughs> right. Yeah. I um, The other day, it was really nice outside, and I sat out on the front porch and uh, had a, a rum and ting, which is, uh, uh, Smith, uh, was it uh, Smith and Cross? Smith Smith, um, oh, you're talking about Smith and Cross. Yeah, Smith and Cross. Um, and, then, uh, and then ting. Um, so... Yeah. No, no, Ray and Neff. Ray and Neff, Ray and Nephew, and then Smith and Cross, completely two different. Yeah, I know. I'm trying. I'm getting them mixed up. Uh, Ray and Nephew. Yep. Um, so super funky, right? That's a clear. So normally, uh, Ray and Nephew is, is a, a very clear rum. Um, it is from Jamaica. And I think that's what I'm thinking of. And the Jamaican rums are definitely more funky. Yeah. So it gets. But that's gonna, a, that's one that's very. It's like three years. Yeah. So it's it's very light on that. Um, but you know, you you put it in with with this grapefruit soda. And if you get that mix right, like there's just this thing that pops out of the rum that you you can't taste otherwise. It's uh, and we're getting in the the rum show, <laughs> right? Um, if uh, if you had to, if you cornered somebody right now and they didn't know about sixteen lots, uh, what would you? How would you describe what this place is to them to get them to understand kind of uh, where you are now, where you were, and kind of where you're going? Man, what a question. That's, I mean, I could go so many directions. You know, I mean, for the most part, you know, um, we want to be a traditional brewery, right, that you would think of in the, in the United States. Right. So, you know, we do have a core lineup of beers that are IPA, Pilsner, Amber, right? Um, so it's going to be, you know, something for everybody is kind of what we're looking for. So it's, it's an entry-level, you know, craft beer. Um, we're going to get into the experimental stuff and we're going to go with the, the low bitterness, the hazies. Um, we're going to go into sours, um, you know, and we're going to do approachable sours like Berliners. And then we're going to do some of our stuff like our vibrancy line, right. which was a little more tart. Um, we haven't got into any of the wild fermentation yet when it comes to on the sour side. But, um, you know, and now, you know, we, we've, we've launched our, our barrel age program. So, you know, beers that have now taken... 13 to 18 months to make um we you know we ha we now have that um in our repertoire and they you know this this first batch here just turned out phenomenal and um so it's it's i think it, it's something for everyone um it's not gonna be that you know super hype um whatever the local trend is that's gonna happen that it's you know we're gonna we're gonna follow these new drinkers that are used to drinking sunny delight they grew up on sunny d and you know um, and tang and, you know, whatever, you know, like the, right. that kind of palette. But, um, but I, but I want, I want something for everyone. I want to be all inclusive. Well, and, and, and kind of going down another quick rabbit hole here, the, the barrel aged, uh, releases that you just let go. I, um, you, there's one part of it that definitely caught my attention where you say blending is encouraged. Yeah. Uh, something that I think a lot of craft beer drinkers don't think about, don't pay, especially when you're, uh, opening up a special bottle of something or, you know, whatever it may be. 
Uh, people think that you're supposed to, you know, kind of covet it and and, and just stand there and, and swirl it for, you know, an yeah. hour before you even take a sip of it. And, you know, it's it becomes this thing that uh, um, it's almost revered too much, yeah. in my opinion. And this idea to play around with it. Yes. Well, that's, a, I mean, that's a, the, the whole, the whole, like, you know, we're just, it's perfect what we were just talking about, right? I mean, like, someone is coming into craft beer, they just want to explore beer and they don't really, you know, get into the weeds. And then, you know, um, you know, they start kind of going into like, you know, IPAs and fruited sours and things. Um, but they're real beer geeks. You've seen this a million times at bottle shares where someone like opens up two different you know, right. stouts and they say like, oh, that's you should try these together because this one's vanilla. This right. one's peanut butter. Blend those together or a PB&J or things like that. So as you get into the weeds of being a beer geek, that's what you, you that happens, right? Well, I decided to design this from the ground up to blend. It's it's so fun. I, I uh, how have how have people been kind of reacting to that? Uh, amazing, amazing, and you don't know until you actually try it if it works or not, right? I mean, right. you can say like, "Well, that's a peanut butter beer, and that's a jelly beer." Well, I love peanut butter and jelly, and you mix them together, and it's gross, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so when I came up with with the concept of, of the barrel aged, you know, stuff, it was uh, definitely you know, um, you know, definitely when it comes to styles. You want a really good base, and you, you know, obviously, but you want everything nowadays is leaning towards the pastry, and it could just be there's just too many adjuncts, and right. there's too many things happening. But I thought, what if I deconstructed something? Like if I told you I wanted to do a banana split pastry stout, you're like, what the hell goes into a banana split pastry stout? And you can right. start naming them off. Uh, it's peanut butter, it's marshmallow, it's pineapple. There's a cherry on top. There's banana. It's chocolate. It's, you know, vanilla bean ice cream. Like, you could throw all that in. Like, if you threw all together, it'd kind of just be a, a jumbled mess. Right. Right? Or how many times have you had that beer? And you're like, man, this is good, but ah, I just wish there was too much more, going just on. wish there was more peanut butter. Yeah, or, there's or too I, much going on. I wanted more banana, you yeah, know? Yeah, absolutely, right? So that was the, the idea was, what if I did that major, like, over-the-top pastry, but I deconstructed it into a manner across several bottles I that like people, that a lot, actually. Right? So, yeah, because you might be a huge peanut butter fan. So you actually, in your mix, you add more of the, the fluffer nutter. Right. Um, you know, where someone else is more of a chocolate banana, and they add more chocolate banana. So I did the, did the three bottles, and two of them are, are barrel-aged, right? So you get that um, that vanilla character and that and that 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 bourbon whiskey flavor. Uh, but it's it's uh, choco banana. So it's chocolate and banana. Goes well together. The next one over is um, going to be fluffer nutter. Right, so it's it's peanut butter and marshmallow. I was like, okay, great, great separate, uh, mixed together. Don't know about that. And then you got one that's not a barrel aged product, and it's um, it's our pineapple upside down cake with cherry on top. And I was like, what the hell does that have to do with the banana split? Well, <laughs> what's a pineapple upside down cake? It's it's pineapple. It's gonna be. I used a, um, a vanilla bean ice cream base from Kraft uh, Creamworks. Right. And um, and a, just a touch of cherry, it gives it a little bit of a pink hue, gives it a little bit, but we use, uh, use sweet cherry in it instead of the, instead of tart cherry. Right. Um, and a little graham cracker. So on its own, delicious. You mix all three together, and it's literally a banana split. Everything, all the flavors of banana split. You don't <laughs> know if it's going to work or not. Such but a good idea, though. Boy, does it work. God, it works. Well, and, 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 like, and just trying to find that mix, too, yes. that, that is your mix. Like that's, that's yeah. such a neat idea. That's part of, the, it's part, of the, part of the fun. When you're a beer geek like that, you sit around, like, you mix things, you know? Like, yeah. oh, I'm a mixologist. I'm a blender. Like, you know, it's kind of fun to, to do things like that. And, like, you know, there's places around the world that literally, like, I mean, like, like Dree and, yeah. like, Armand, who's, you know, rest in peace, Armand. But, I mean, 
he was a master blender. Right. He didn't brew any. He didn't brew any beer. He they sourced all their lambic, and then his palate was such that he knew the right the right blends. Right. So it's like let's well, traditional Belgian blender and pastry stouts. We all try to do that together. <laughs> Why not just make it highly encouraged? Let's do this. Let's let's blend them up. Yeah, you can go heavy on whatever you want you want, but you buy a three bottle set, and uh, and you can just blend to your you know your heart's desire. That's such a fun idea, and they. They are still on tap here in the tap room as of as of today. Absolutely, I'm um, going to pour you a this, flight here post haste. This this uh, episode won't air until next Monday, um, but hopefully they'll still be on tap when you listen to this and come in and 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 get some get some little squirts and and do your own blend and try to figure it out yeah. too. I mean, it's it's just such a fun idea and something that um, I think that uh, some breweries are kind of losing sight of that fun side of beer and yeah. remembering that it's still just beer like yeah. it's supposed to be fun it's supposed to be about that experience and well i'm going to tell um, you too like like when it comes to like some breweries have lost sight of this and there's you know it's backlash for this and backlash for that this was my first barrel age release right I, i've done barrel age releases at at right. breweries that i've worked for but you know owning a brewery coming up with the recipe and, and exactly what we want and the adjuncts and the the blending process and the secret society right i mean like the, it's called our secret society. Um, our barrel aged products. Right. It's like secret societies lurk in the shadows, kind of like where we keep our bourbon barrel aged, and they take on different characters, and then you blend them together to get the right code, things like that. Right. Right. I unapologetically wax dip the hell out of these <laughs> because, as a as an old school beer geek, right, you used to walk in a place and just kind of scan the tops and see if there was any wax dipped anywhere, and you're like, oh, there must be something special over there. Right. Well, you know what? People are like. Uh, people need to stop wax dipping. Everything's wax dipped now. It's so hard to get in, blah, blah, blah. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I don't care. Like, I want my first one. I wanted to go through that process. I wanted right. to I wanted to dip them. I wanted to label them. I wanted to look a certain way. Moving forward, will, will we do that? I'm not sure. But my first one with that's, like, under, under you know, my guidance, I'm wax dipping the hell out of them. Yeah, see, I still like, I still like my, um, still like my barrel-aged beers wax dip. Now, it does affect my willingness to open it up. That's the only <laughs> right? downside, and not not because I don't want to hack through the wax, but just because it feels too special. Yeah. And, and and I don't that sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's not. Yeah. Um, that's my only my only feeling about yep. Waxton. But, but I, it's but also I, but I still like them. Like I still I still love that Braxton still yeah. wax dips every bottle of Dark Charge, and they're yep. beautiful and they look yep. incredible sitting. I save the bottles. Yeah. I don't save a bottle of, you know, whatever other random uh, barrel-aged beer that's going to be a delicious beer, but yeah. uh, because it's not it's not pretty. It's part, not, of, the, it's, part it's, of the experience, it's, it's, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's a thing. Part of the experience. I'm, yeah. I'm asking you, as a consumer, to pay $15 for a 500 ml bottle. Right. Right? If you want to sit on it for a while, I want to make sure that that's, it's you know, no oxygen is going to get to that. Right. And it's going to hold up, you know? Um Will it? I don't know. I mean, this is our first one we've ever, we've ever done. Now, I did go the extra steps of having all my barrels plated right. for any kind of bacteria. So um, I didn't pasteurize everything because I knew if there were things in it or not. So I had everything uh, plated for it. Now, with that being said, these are these are kind of designed to to drink now. Like it's not like a, a beer that's kind of meant to be coveted and saved for huh? for decades. Like it's it's drink your beer if like you do. It. I don't. I mean, I designed it obviously for for now, 
But um, I love how beer changes right. over the years, right? I mean, I love that. Uh, like I said, this is the first one we've ever done. I don't know if it's going to hold up. I can't tell you. Five years from now, it's going to be great. I'm not going to put a date on there and say, consume within five years. Based on our brewing techniques, the the, the sanitation of our levels, of our of our barrels, um, and and everything that, that, that we took so much care of uh, from getting the going to the labs and getting everything plated, I would imagine that these will be fine in five fine. years. It's not going to taste like fluff or nutter in five years, I can tell you that. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, right? I mean, so when it comes to adjuncts, adjuncts fall off and everyone falls off at a different a different level. So um, I have two other things that I want to touch on. Um, so it's going to be kind of a weird, random couple string of questions here, but um, well, we can find a, a way to uh, um, transition here. Uh, you talk about mixing. Let's talk about mixology, uh, the new location, what kind of... Um, a cocktail program are you guys going to have or are you going to have a cocktail program? Yeah, I know absolutely. that 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 spirits have become kind of a, a little bit of the personality of what this place is about yeah. to. Um I know you're you're a big bourbon guy. Yep. Um how's that factor into a Kentucky tap room which has to have bourbon? Right. Well, and two, I mean that's the thing, right? So we have an A1A license um here in Mason, we're going to have one there. Um I am a big I'm a big fan of of craft cocktails. Um I think you should have classic craft cocktails you don't need to go into the weeds of of you know making these you know eight ingredient drinks uh you should have the standards up behind your bar be able to to make a great old-fashioned or a manhattan or a negroni um and you know it does take time for like when you have at a brewery you can have someone who's a great beer tender not a great bartender right so you got to make sure that they're trained properly for the right ratios and things like that. So we're going to have a full bar. I want classic cocktails. But there's so many other things to do. Um, you know, is I'm, I'm, we have absinthe service right. here, right? Super European, really crazy. I don't know of any, anywhere else in Cincy that has absinthe service. We have absinthe service Not all with the traditional time. towers from Europe. I think doesn't Longfellow's the Longfellow's oh, other I, room? Yeah, I would imagine, yeah. I think they're the only other place that I know yep. of that does. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's places that, that you see that probably, I think, man, that'd probably be really cool to have absent service. Yeah. But, you know, um, so New, Newport will continue that tradition. So we will have abs- traditional absent service there. So you can just like, Which, you're at your table, you can just have the fountain there. And like, by the know. way, when you're listening to this episode, stay tuned for Drinking with the Gnome absinthe episode should be done soon. So oh, very soon-ish. cool. Ish. <laughs> very cool. Um, you know, but then we're also going to go down that road of, you know, we're going to have a, a, a forehead slushy machine. Because what brewery nowadays, you know, doesn't have a slushy machine, right. you know, but we're going to do like two classic, like two like craft beer slushies. And then we'll do like one bourbon, one tequila based kind of a slushy. It's a cool experience. It's something that, you know, it's like, I don't want to get too much on the, the touristy side, right. but just a lot of tourist traffic down there. A lot of, a lot of folks go to the aquarium and it's a tourist attraction now. So, um, you know, I do want to have those things that, um, that people are, are, are looking for. They're looking for a little, like almost like more of a high dollar ring right. because hey, it's on vacation. I can do that, you know, but I want to make sure that, you know, all the regulars that just come in during the week, um, have their, their, um, their regular, you know, right. Libations as well. Right. But I mean, it's still, um, you know, the, the, the cool thing about the levy, especially being on the levy is that, um, there is a place that will be, uh, a cocktail bar. There will be a place that will have yep. a whole bunch of slushies. There'll We're going next has... next door to us is a new rum bar. Exactly. So like you don't have to, you don't have to stress about being everything. Like you can find right. your personality Absolutely. in that and just kind of own it. And um, I like that. It's yeah. it's it is a little bit harder when you look at here in in Mason in mm-hmm. the strip mall where you are. Is, do we consider this a strip mall? 
Yeah, this is a strip, <laughs> what is this the is definition a of a strip mall. I mean, this is absolutely a strip mall. Um, you know, it's uh, you have to you you or a lot of people are expecting you to be a lot wider yep. in, in personality than than maybe they will um, when you're at the levee. So it's, yeah, it, it's you know, and um, there's always this. You know, we're talking about like you know breweries and and being you know like kind of uh, set in their ways or you know pretentious when it comes you know, like. Um, when it comes to like televisions and things like that, right? Like I don't want to be a sports right. bar. I'm a huge sports fan. So we're going to have TVs in our brewery. I love, I love watching sports. Sports are normally always on. Um, you know, obviously with our new relationship, you know, with uh, the Bengals and Ken Anderson and things like that, we're also going to have TVs down there. It's not going to be a, a no TV zone, but you know, we're also going to have like, we have a stage. So it's gonna be a live music venue. So, you know, normally like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, things like that, we're going to have live music. That stage, when not in use, we're going to put in, like, a cool high-definition projection cool. that we'll be able to do, like, you know, Bengals games right. and some, you know, we, you know, I'm a huge tailgater, so, you know, we'll be able to do, like, away game tailgates and things like that, um, but, you know, uh, TVs aren't going to take over the environment, right. but they will be there. They, they, that's for sure. Well, that's that's a good transition to the, the last thing I want to talk about is the relationship with the Ken Anderson Alliance. Well, that's uh, literally what just our I mean, brewer just walked over and poured us. It, it's fantastic. It's a great beer. <laughs> but I the idea, this is the, the first time that I've seen somebody really kind of understand how to take how to take the idea of a, a Bengals beer, which this is not a Bengals beer for anybody that... Uh... No, trust me. I've... I've <laughs> gotten several um several we've had we've had several conference calls and um and several strongly worded letters from the nfl that this is not a bingles beer. this is not a bingles beer this is a ken anderson alliance beer but but if you're a bingles fan um i think you can um you can enjoy this beer quite a bit um there are other places around town that have tried to kind of find a way to maybe uh, jump on the Bengals bandwagon, which uh, clearly last year was a very large bandwagon. Um, if, you, if you don't know, the Bengals did really, really good last year. <laughs> they made it to the Super Bowl, right? I mean. um, and and we're going to see, I anticipate, even more of that next year. But you guys kind of set this bar for how you're supposed to do something like that. You yeah. know, you find the, the, the right person to partner with. You do it for the right reasons, yeah. not just to not, I mean... Part of it is to create a good tailgating beer, something that fits yeah. into that, oh, that that situation. But this this actually that beer was born from tailgating, right? So you know I'm the craft beer sponsor for a sponsor for Bingle Gems before the Roar tailgate experience, and you know the first time I came in, you know I used to do it at 50 West, and the first time I went at 16 Lots when I did the production schedule and the release calendar, I had a blank orange beer that I said tailgate beer. I don't know what it was, right. and if it was going to be like a Bingle Gems beer, I didn't know it's going to be a tailgate beer. That evolved into Kenny's Day Drinking Lager. And, you know, something that the... I always have a problem with the the the, the Bud Miller Coors people of the world and their light domestics that they... Every time they taste, whether it's a blonde, Kolsch, um, a light American lager, they always say, like, oh, there's this aftertaste. <laughs> like, I mean, I see... I mean, I've, I did it, you know, I mean, I, for years and years, I try to get people to drink craft. And they're like, ah, oh, there's just this aftertaste. So... When we designed Kenny's Day Drinking Lager, it was basically, it's literally right in between a Keystone Light and a Coors Light, and we really wanted to make sure that it was it was so crisp and it finished, and there wasn't any kind of bitterness. Right. It's a it's a good like sweet 
um, American lager. Like it's it's perfect for exactly what you want when you're yeah. tailgating or uh, just when you're sitting outside in general. <laughs> yeah, no, and it, it really has. I mean, like, so um, you're drinking one now. So this is uh, this is the first batch of 2022 um, for the season, right? So we right. decided, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have this. It was such a hit in the tap room that we decided we're gonna have this as our light lager all the time. It's exactly. always gonna be Kenny's, right? And um, so this is the first batch of it, and uh, we will be pre-selling the cans and everything else normally, like, you know, in July. Right. So that for August 1, it'll be a big launch, and, you know, we'll have all the cases up at, you know, Kroger and all that all that good stuff. But for our light American lager option here in the tap room, it's always going to be Kenny's from now on. Well, and, and the part about it that where I talk about doing things for the right reasons in the right way um, – a portion of all of the sales from yep. everything, you know, uh, cans and draft. Cans, draft, T-shirts. It all, the, a, a portion of those proceeds all go to support Ken Anderson Alliance. Yeah, absolutely. You guys just gave them the, with the first check. Yeah. Um, and it was an incredible check. $34,500. So sometimes you see, you know, charity beers and, you know, we're lucky if we can, you know, raise, you know, a few thousand dollars for somebody, um, you know, a big part of that was the Bengals this year. People wanted 100%. to drink. Yeah, and that that and to be in all full disclosure, that also wasn't just beer, right? Right. That was um, that was me, right? You, like I did a fundraising walk, right? right? I did a charity walk, a brewery walk. Um, so that was eleven thousand of it. You know, there, there's um, we, we did a raffle for the the game ball that we got from the Bengals. That was an option. Right. Like lots of things that went into that. It's basically like between sixteen lots, and then me personally is like under my Sergeant Dell um, stuff combined so far it was time to do a check because it was thirty four thousand five hundred dollars <laughs> i mean that's that's an incredible way to kind of uh take take an idea that a lot of people are are doing and and show that you can you can use it for for good yeah. not just for your own um <laughs> your own good <laughs> well you know i'm man i am such i'm such a kind of a snob when it comes to ip theft that um you know i've i've always i've never been a fan of it like i'm talking like napster days right right like way back when i was like you know what and maybe this is like the creative in me but i'm like someone created that and they own that and you shouldn't profit off of that and so when it comes to ip theft it's it's something that's always just kind of stuck in my craw and i've always been really respectful of ip and um you know people complain about you know professional sports and and things like that and it's make so many you know so many millions of dollars and why do they make it and someone else doesn't and things like that it's like well the consumer ultimately in a free market society decides who makes all that money because right. the consumers are the ones that are paying for that product and that's what happens right so um i feel that way in the arts in the arts culture as well whether it's music or you know um, movies or painting or things like that. Like I, I'm not, I don't pirate things. I don't make, you know, bootleg copies of things, whatever. So when it came to doing a Bingles beer, um, you know, I was very adamant that, you know, I, I'd, I'd met Ken Anderson over the years and, and gotten to know him and, 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 you know, what a wonderful organization. And it was the first thing I thought of was like, I need to see if he's on board and he, he wants to do this. And then two, I'm actually going to have an a signed legal endorsement deal, right? right. So um, I have an endorsement deal with Ken Anderson, and you know when the NFL caught wind of Kenny's day drinking lager from all the publicity that we got from that, 
um, the first thing they asked was, does Ken Anderson even know about this? Because they're so <laughs> used, they're so used to breweries right, and just, other just places doing just doing it yeah. and not asking the question. And I said, yes, I actually have a formal endorsement deal. And I sent them that endorsement deal. You know, and then when it comes to trademarks, you know, they had a big problem with uh, Day, right? Because they own Who Day. Yeah. And by the way, when I talk about the NFL, like, I, you know, the Bengals have been fantastic. Um, but the Cincinnati Bengals are owned by the NFL. I mean, as a, right. as a trademark associate, right? Mike Brown owns the Bengals. But, like, all those trademarks are actually owned by the NFL and the right. parent, parent company. So, like, um, when I was doing my due diligence... And uh, and like researching you know trademarks and things, I'm looking at like who owns Who Day. Well, Who Day is owned by the NFL, and the attorney that's in charge of all that and like actually filed that. You know, like her name was right there. Literally, she's the one that called us. Like she's that <laughs> she's the one that called us. She's the one that like emails us. We have conference calls with her and the Bengals. Like you know things like that. Well, you know Day itself taken away. Day is a pharmaceutical company right. in Delaware. It's not. In you know the state of Delaware, it's not they own Who Day combined. So the the when it came to like the um, the minutia of trademark laws, it's what can confuse a normal consumer to make them think that it's a, there's associations, right? Right. So you know it's yeah there's black and black and orange. They don't own black and orange. They don't own the word Day. They own Who Day. They don't own a football field. They don't own orange and black uniforms. They don't own footballs. They don't right. own all those things. It's when you combine them you put together, it all together. <laughs> you put it all together. Does it confuse, you know? Um, and because of kind of like my like training, like, you know, like I'm very cognizant of the fact that I don't want to infringe on anyone's IP. Right. You know, you see the orange helmet. It's an orange helmet. It says KAA on it. Like a consumer is not going to be like, that's the Bengals. Like, no, it says KAA on it. It'd be like when, you know, like it's the same uniform. That uniform is what like, Mississippi, like there's right. a, there's like, there's lots of teams that yeah, have that. <laughs> high schools do it. Like there's all kinds of things with that with that uniform. So I was very cognizant when we were no tiger stripes designed no tiger stripes. <laughs> it doesn't even say Bengals nowhere on the can. It says Cincinnati football team. You know to talk about Ken Anderson, you know things like that. So I was very cognizant of all of that. And then my artist, which I've talked about before, his name's Greg Tobias, out of Dayton, Ohio. He um, he uh, has worked uh, for a lot of work for Universal Studios and 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 Disney and things like that. Um, he freelances and does all my artwork for my cans and things. He also was the artist that designed the Bengals locker rooms. <laughs> he designed the Bengals set, so they have a set oh, where they fantastic. do their press their press conferences and stuff. Yeah. He did all that work as well, so he has a very intimate knowledge of what is over the line right. and what's not over the line. Right. So you know, with with our powers combined. <laughs> Boy, did you look at that can and think, wow, I can, you know, it's in Cincinnati, Ohio, it's a brewery, it's black, you know, things like that. But, you know, we, it's, it's very well done. It is. So it's, 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 uh, there is nothing that, um, you know, and like I said, that's why I never got a cease and desist from the NFL. We never got an actual cease and desist. Well, that's, that's impressive because I, I, I anticipate that that's the type of organization that, uh, when, um, something comes across that is even questionable, that's, that's just what you do. You That's just what, yeah. send it out and whatever. If they 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 are like the what Lucas Films used to be. Yes, yeah. Where you just you know put it out there, yeah. and, and worst case scenario, then you have to take it to the next yeah. step and see if you can actually you yeah. know <laughs> bully you know, and, somebody into stuff. And most people that know me like a Dell's extra. Dell's over the top. He's big and gregarious, and he does a lot of things and pushes the envelope. Um, and you know, when I was designing that with the artist, we were going back and forth, and you know, I took that. And then I showed Mike, 
Well, like Mike was the the chief marketing officer of Sunny Delight. He is a consumer packaging expert. Yeah. He like right. So like um, he worked for Johnson and Johnson. He worked for Procter and Gamble. And he, he was the marketing officer for Sunny Delight. Right. I said, "What do you think of this, Mike?" He, like <laughs> like pick this apart. And he's like, that's really well done. Like, there's nothing. He was like, I see exactly what you were going for. I see exactly what happened. And I see what I'm looking at. So, you know, him and I were on the same page. And we are, for most of our business, we're very, you know, we're like, I'm the beer guy. He's the business guy. And like, we have very like-minded. And uh, he was like, bring it on. Bring it on, NFL. So like, when we had our conference calls and things like that, like, you're not talking to some smos that just decided, hey, we're going to like, you know, just make a, 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 Bengals themed beer. Right. There was a lot of lot of stuff that went into that. And that's why I think ultimately we never got that cease and assist. It would have been nice hanging on the wall. Well, yeah, that's what, exactly. I mean, that's what, that's what I said. I was like, I'm gonna, you know, like, I, I have a letter from the NFL and the NFL letterhead. I'm still thinking about like putting, putting on the wall just for shits and giggles. I mean, it's it is definitely part of the story at this point. Absolutely. Um I think that's it. Thank you. Uh, oh, I'm I'm excited for anybody who um I'm excited for anybody who has been to 16 lots to see kind of this new personality of of where you guys are kind of going with the brand like it's starting to come together in a in a very different way even from you know two years ago when we sat down last time of of watching how it's developing and watching how it's um turning into to 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 what i now see it as yeah well i say you know part of my decision to come here in the first place was you know like just Mike and I have become really good friends and, and he's just a, a great business partner and to come in and hit, basically turn over just creative freedom to me. Um, you know, I have to have a, a, an outlet. I have to be able to, to take my creativity and, uh, you know, I, I'm an idea guy and I, you know, and, and Mike finds a way to make that happen. So even when, when it came to this, this space and I was like, look, like this is my vision it was four blank walls, basically. It was really cool. One of them was a Gambian wall. That's right. what that that stone wall is, right? That's super cool. But that was kind of like the accent wall. That was the that was the most interesting thing in there. Was that was that wall? Right. And I was like, well, look, like I, I started surveying. Like, well, give me some TV shows and things like that. And give me some, you know, like when you walk in, I want it to be like a set. And I started I started doing the lighting and the and and changing the fixtures and and then decorating and things like that. There's still only so much you can do with that base. Now, the world is my oyster, right? I mean, like legit, like it's, right. it is a blank slate to use a, a term that a lot of us know here in Cincinnati um, that is, is ready to, you know, have the right creative team and designers in, in, in charge of it. And, um, you know, I can't wait. I cannot wait to show you. And, uh, you know, I'm going to do a, uh, everyone does like a, you know, like a preview night and they do like, you know, soft openings and things like that. Um, but, you know, we're going to do it big. I, I, I'm going to, you know, I mean, I'm going to take care of, 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 you know, of industry folks first and, and to do that with insiders and friends and family and things. But I want to make sure that, you know, like, um, that the, the brewers themselves, um, have, we have our own night. Right. We're such a family here in Cincinnati right. and, and, you know, we are so supportive of each other. Like I want them to come in and, and see the space and have that time where we don't have to worry about like cash registers running and just pour beers for all the brewery that used guys. To be a, that used to be way more of a thing than yep. it is now. And, um, not that, not that it's about, you know, hanging out somewhere and, and, and drinking somebody else's beer. Like it's becomes more of a, uh, a, a way to, um, 
I mean, socialize is the easy way to put it, but uh, to just become more ingrained in this community and, and with each other and yep. something that is becoming less and less of a priority, I think, as time goes on, that I think yeah. should be. Um, you know, and also there's one other thing I w- I'd love to say, which yeah. I would love to be able to give you the scoop on this, but I'm not going to. So it's just going to be a tease. <laughs> it's just going to be a tease. But um, I am filming something pretty big in right. Los Angeles. Oh, um, uh, the end of this month for three days, I'll be shooting in, in LA and right. uh, it's going to be uh, super fun to, uh, when the cat's out of the bag and, Ooh. and to see oh, what, I'm, uh, I'm curious, see what, you know, what Del Hall, Ohio beer fasting man, <laughs> beer what, fasting is he, man from Ohio. what is he going to be on? You know, what, what kind of show is he going to be on? So. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, time frame on the new space ish. So we, um, yeah, they really want us to be open by like uh, the holidays, right? And I just, I mean, with lead times, uh, brewing equipment and just steel and just uh, even like coolers and ice makers and things like that. I really don't see that being a, a thing. Um, I think we're gonna um, shoot for the first week of March and have that our timing. grand opening. Have all the kinks worked out by uh, St. Patty's Day. That, that timing seems very, very good, too, for Ohio Beer Fasting Man. Doesn't it? <laughs> and we also have a big announcement. Like, we've we've booked a, a really big band oh, for uh, for the first people on our stage for that grand opening. So, excellent. Uh, you know, which is, it's, you know, this, the stage is being revamped with new lighting, new sound, new everything. And uh, and we've uh, we've secured a pretty cool band. To, uh, to kick it off for us. All right, that's, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pick your brain once the uh, recorder turns off. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, just as a reminder, um, and I will make sure it's actually getting edited in. This episode is sponsored by Truth Beer and Podsequences. So if you guys like uh, podcasts, especially Cincinnati Beer Podcasts, and you want to hear a podcast that talks about Cincinnati Beer Podcasts and everything that's meta about that. Uh, look up Truth Beer Podsequences and, and thank you to them for, for sponsoring this episode. Um, truthbeerpod.com. Uh, this is uh, the Voice of Sensi Craft, which, as you know, means it is a conduit for everybody else. It's not even about me, it's about everybody else and their stories and who they are. Uh, Sensi Brewcast, it's the Voice of Sensi Craft.